Welcome to the Top Gear Magazine podcast, a peek behind the curtain of what it's really like to drive other people's cars for a living. These are the stories behind the stories. Hello, I'm Jack Ricks, Top Gear's, uh, Top Gear's Magazine's editors. There's one too many S's in there, I think. Strong start. We'll go with that. We'll keep rolling. Keep it rolling. <laughs> um, uh, we're in the podcast we're at studio. We're at full strength. We've got both Ollie's slurping on his tea. Uh, we've got Rang and Hawcastle. And we've got myself. And today, this is um, we're talking about the issue pod. So this is issue number... I can never do the number. 376. 376. How do you just retain that information? It's your young brain, isn't it? Uh, that or the producer Britt just told me. Uh, uh, so yeah, I didn't know what it was either. So we are mid-press week as we speak, um, approving pages that we're about to speak but, about. But uh, you'll be amazed to know that with just hours to go until final print deadline, we do actually know what is in the magazine. So we're going to be discussing um, today... Well, the, the the headline story is this is our big 30th anniversary issue of the magazine. Um, I think you're going to love the cover. It's got shiny foil on it, at the very least. Um, your cat's going to like it. Um, <laughs> Magpies all over the country <laughs> buying up Top Gear. We've done a special separate podcast on... Um, this massive 30 greatest cars, um, 30 cars of the year shoot that we did in the Brooklyn's banking. Um, so you can go and listen to that. That should already be on the feed. Um, but we're going to focus on the other stuff in the magazine. So we've driven the brand new Ford Mustang in Hawaii. Um, we've explored, I've actually driven the, uh, the first ever electric Lamborghini, which is a concept car, but we've driven it five years before it goes on sale. That's, early that's bird. Early bird. Catches the worm. Um, other stuff, uh, we've interviewed Max Verstappen and found out if he can actually drift. Who's he? Um, some play. I don't know. Some, yeah. He's the energy drink sponsor or something. That's the one. Yeah, that, that's, that's the one. Um, nice, nice young man. We've also driven uh, a car called the Ineos Grenadier and um, put it through the ringer by taking it to people that... The like. toughest test you'll read anywhere of the Ineos Grenadier. I'm yeah. going to put it out there right now. Will people that use and drive old defenders actually like this new one mm. we'll find out in a minute um and rowan has been off driving some porsche gt1s on the gross glockner casual that is a casual <laughs> one isn't it but yeah we'll, we'll get to that later rowan but... like fell into a playstation and lived gran turismo <laughs> it's like a sort of real life jumanji i still can't quite believe what happened but yeah we'll say that to later in the pod but this is a bumper issue isn't it there's so much in it there's so much going on it's actually got 16 extra pages so quite literally it is a book this one it's a collector's item so make sure you get out there and buy yourself a copy of this issue but before we get into the content what have we been up to guys who wants to go first I'll go, because after having pulled together all 30 plus one cars of Top Gear's car of the year for the big pods that you can uh, listen to elsewhere, um, I went and drove, did some old-fashioned road testing. You know, there's that Lotus Amira that we're quite excited about, mm -hmm. or there's a new one now with the engine out of an A45 AMG. This is the, the one for the people. Not got yep. a V6 in it, got this mad turbocharged four-cylinder engine. So what do we do? Well, we got an A45, which is a much madder interpretation of the same engine. And we've done a twin test. You can read it on topgear.com. And there's a video on the YouTube channel where so I get quite lathered up about four-cylinder turbocharging. Oh, well, it's the it's it's the it's, it's the boring. Everything's four-cylinders and turbocharged these days, isn't it? Yeah, but the point I was making is of all the engines they could have borrowed for that you know, entry-level Amira, they could have put a Golf GTI engine in it or something out of a Ford Focus. That Merc engine is so mad, I cannot believe it got signed off, let alone put in a 
A-Class and it, then allowed to be borrowed by a load of chaps in Norfolk. Who've does done, it have more power in the Mercedes? No, it's got far... Well, it's, it's, got, it's got far less in the Lotus. Exactly. Yeah. So AMG have kept the really good stuff for themselves. Yeah, there's some noise about it because it's got to go in the middle of the car. It needs a new intake and an exhaust, which sound like excuses to me. <laughs> or has Lotus given themselves headroom? Is yeah, that, and is, that, is that uh, yeah. another excuse? Stay tuned, they'll be... Mm-hmm. Stay tuned, stay tuned. Oh, get your laptop off, <laughs> dial some more horsepower into all it. Right, yeah. All right, he's on form. <laughs> uh, anyone else? That was fun. Well, more four cylinders from me, actually, because we we had this idea of all the, around that Amira i4 of doing... of unearthing great four-cylinder engines. Um, and so we did that... Ollie did that story with the Amira and the A45. Meanwhile, I unearthed three more resto mods, I guess you'd call them, with corking four-cylinder engines. So we've made a film for the YouTube channel. We'll be doing this for the mag as well. But we did... I went up to North Wales and we had the MST Escort with its BDG, this famous old Cosworth-built engine... Um, we had an Alpha Holics with GTAR with its 2.3 litre four, and we had a Porsche 912, the CAM manufacturing Porsche 912. It's a very light one, isn't which it? is the super light one. Yeah. And we got all those together. We made a big film with it. Um, we got some lovely pictures. Mark Riccioni came along and shot some really it's the, nice images. The people's resto mods, isn't it? If you can't afford one of these singers, these million mm. quid eagle e types, yeah, Ollie yeah. Marriage has got you covered with you know a Porsche, which is only only three hundred thousand pounds, only a third of a yeah, mil. Yeah. You know, but this that, is... I tell you what, the one you want's that Escort, hundred k. Mm. Oh my god, Don't, it's you can't magic. tell me that because I haven't driven it, and but I have driven the yeah. Alpha Holics, and mm. it's I could my ears oh, are still, still ringing. It what mm. an engine! Mm. It's, it's like just sublime, isn't it? Most yeah. visceral, and it's a workaday four-cylinder exactly. layout. Exactly. So those those three cars, that was such a good couple of days because you realise that it. it I mean, we I just thought it was about the engines, but it's not really because it's about the sort of weight of the cars they had to push. Meant they could be naturally aspirated. They didn't need that much power and torque because the cars are so light. They're small on the roads. All that good stuff, and they are just so fizzy and enjoyable and dazzling to drive which is what you need when it's raining sideways in wales you're in in july hey it doesn't (laughs) matter at all you're going sideways (laughs) exactly so we're all a little bit in love with four cylinder engines Rowan, more cylinders more cylinders yeah (laughs) uh i've been dealing with lots and lots of cylinders in the brm v16 so Excellent. I take your four senses and raise you <laughs> quite a bit. In your face. Uh, and then I supercharge them uh, yeah. and put them on methanol. So, yeah, I've been doing... I'm slightly pink from carbon monoxide poisoning and my ears are bleeding from doing an exciting project in a tunnel which will be coming sometime later in the year, I think. But... Um, well, I have been involved with some very, very exciting cars, one of which is the BRM V16. So it's a 1950s Is it actually car. a V16 or an H16? What do they call it, technically? Uh, I don't I think know. It's the type 15 V16. Yeah. Let me count the cylinders. There was fire. It was loud. And I remember reading something about 16. Yes, but the all I can compare it to, this thing is the most nuts car I've been around in a very long time. It is the 1950s, you know, Ken Block, not Hoonatron, what's it called? Uh, the Mustang. Hoonicorn. Hoonicorn. Yeah. Sorry. I'm just, yeah, I'm dazzled and drunk with methanol. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, this thing just spits four foot flames out the side of it. So if they'd been YouTube in the 50s, it was like, 
Oh yeah, hello. I like and believe- subscribe, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, and then <laughs> he'd have just torn off in this and gone and done laps of LA. Yeah, it, it's just it's a 1.5 cc, you know, 600 horsepower supercharged mm. beast that makes the most incredible noise. And we were celebrating. The cylinders always. must be tiny in that. They might mm. be like sort of tipex pots. But also the <laughs> we way- could do the maths, but I mean not that quickly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But also the way the noise that this makes and the like the dynamic range of it and the character of it and it makes boot sonic booms which i couldn't really believe um so yeah, i've had stig in that which has just been wild mm. but i must shut up now because i don't want to give too much away but there's some very exciting footage yeah, and is, audio coming this has become mm. the giving stuff away that's coming up in the future round of the yeah, podcast yeah whose idea was yeah. a what have we been up to because it you know i had a bit of toast you know, you know <laughs> moseyed in on the tube you know whatever <laughs> i've been to california to, to car week <laughs> to have some toast tube, yeah. <laughs> no toast to- caviar on toast pure though, saturated <laughs> fats the aluminium tube that yeah. has taken you to america no so car week um is yeah so it's a whole week of events in monterey california um used to be i suppose it was all based around pebble beach concourse was the one that everyone had heard of but it's actually a week of events and and it's more than that really it's um the quail on the friday has become the kind of big event where supercar and hypercar manufacturers want to do their big world debuts so we were there filming a load of videos which you can see on uh, on YouTube, but actually, it's the vibe of the whole place. Is that the it's one like, where there's loads of just supercars parked on a golf course? Yes. Well, to begin so you're with, furious because you're trying to play golf, well, and there's reckon, all these annoying Koenigseggs in the way. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of the way, Christian. Um, the uh, yeah, well, I went ten years ago, and it was literally that. It was just a load of random cars parked up on the grass. You know, Bugattis next to Koenigseggs. Right. Um, now and they've got plinths and things, now they've got they? plinths and stands and, and shininess and uh, you know press. Conference Conferences and stuff. Oh, so it's gone corporate. It's gone a bit corporate, but it is still amazing because you've got everyone in such a small, small space and everyone's starting to show new stuff. Um, but it's the vibe of the whole place, just cruising around, going to Carmel um, in the evenings. Everyone's like, you can't move for people throwing parties. And there's, there's just, you get a bit sick of supercars, if I'm honest. If somebody drives past in a, a standard F8 Tributo or 296 or something. I well, mean, you, don't even you look. barely even look. On that yeah. point, I mean, it's shameful on to that be in the stand. Point, staff writer, I don't even know. We don't really do chop titles here, but yeah, mm. Greg Potts uh, was there, and he trumped everyone, didn't he? He Brilliant. sent us that clip. Best moment. Yes. The, he was staying at the house where um, the house, the the, the house with lodge. lots of rooms in it, hotel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, where the Bugatti Owners Club, or or basically just just the it's general just public, one bloke who had brought along. Six Bugatti Chirons. And there's like 250 GTOs and everything else parked outside. Greg Potts arrived in a flying car. <laughs> so he had the only one yeah, on the uh, on that West Coast and yeah. he trumped everyone. And in that world, the only way to kind of put two fingers up to everyone else is to have something other people don't. No one else had a flying car, but Greg Potts did. And it but, was just, it's the most hilarious looking thing. It's huge. Like, with its wings it's tucked away It's a Chinook with number plates on, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? It's not a flying car. And we should say that the, the, um, helicopter. The, the genius of this particular road test, which you can read on topgear.com soon, um, is that he didn't go for a fly in it. 
he was just literally driving around in the most impractical car, <laughs> bootling around. But that's it. You got to flex at Car Week. You know, yeah. as I said, uh, uh, honestly, a standard Lamborghini, Ferrari, Porsche will not cut it. We'll have to get that clip he took on the socials of just him panning around from this incredible hotel, you know, and it's just Bugattis, two a penny, Ferraris, and no one really paying them any minds. And then the camera just pulls around and reveals this, like I say, this kind of wing-clipped helicopter just covered in people mm. probably phoning their butlers going, why haven't I got one of these? <laughs> yeah, I need to get out of here. This is a solution. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, we should crack on with the issue. Yes. So um, what should we talk about first? Um, well, do you Ollie? want to... St- should Would we, you want to do that? Let's go to Hawaii. Let's go to Hawaii. I've got a t-shirt today. Look at that. Uh, Aloha. Hang on. Yeah, when <laughs> I went to NASA and drove a Bugatti down the NASA well, runway, came home with a t-shirt, didn't wore you? a NASA t-shirt, I got ridiculed, and now you're <laughs> expecting praise. Yeah, but that, that t-shirt's Hawaii cars, cars and, coffee. and coffee t-shirt. Yeah, yeah, look at that. That t-shirt's cool. Your mum's nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> Story of my life. <laughs> so, yeah, should we launch in with this? Yeah, so, yeah. so what's going um, on here? There what? is a backstory to this, mm-hmm. unsurprisingly. So, yes, we I have just got back from driving a Ford Mustang around Oahu, the sort of capital isle, capital isle or biggest island of, not physically biggest, but one, one of the islands of Hawaii, the six main islands. I know all the facts now, I know all the facts. <laughs> he's, got, he's got Michael Payne <laughs> here we go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Launching in. But no, the reason we did it is, um, I think, Rowan, you were involved in this, but the other, you, Jack and Ollie, you weren't. No, before our time. But back in 2014, was it? Yeah. Back in 2014, uh, the Ford Mustang was 50 years old and there was a new one. The sixth generation car had just launched. And we had this idea, and it is one of the daftest we've done ever, I should think, of driving a Ford Mustang for its 50th anniversary around all 50 states of America. And we and we made it happen. We started sort of top right and we finished bottom left. And in between, we did 11,175 miles over just over two weeks. I think we did it in basically did nearly a thousand miles a day in this car. Four different crews or one someone did... Pat Devereux and Roe did the East Coast. Then it handed over someone who did all the Midwest. I did the sort of the, the Rockies and up to Seattle. And then Charlie Turner and Tom Ford took over and did the sort of did Alaska and back down to do the, the other uh, high I, spots, the West Coast. Well, then I flew back out. So oh, I was did, meant to photograph the whole thing, hmm. but um, what happened? it was early in my career where I'd literally just told all my I told all my mates that um, you know, I just lost my friendship group because I was working the whole time, and we'd booked this festival, and I said, I'm really sorry to everyone at Topkin. I have to come back, literally, otherwise I've got no mates afterwards. So <laughs> we, we shy horncaster, honestly. Yeah, no, exactly. So we did all the East Coast, and I flew, went to a three-day festival, and this car, the Mustang, never stopped moving, no. which was mental, was that we, I flew out of Atlanta or somewhere like that, and then in the whole time that I was watching, like, Rudimental or someone like that on the main <laughs> stage, it was then in, I was getting updates, and then Ollie was in Monument Valley, and then it was in Alaska, mm. and then I flew back after the weekend to the West Coast, to get, fresh. to get back into the say, car. What a way to prepare yourself for another several thousand yeah, who miles. Who has yeah, the yeah. worst BO? The people who've been in a Ford Mustang for a fortnight or you who'd been in Rome a tent for three days. Trench the foot. smell yeah. in that car, the smell <laughs> in that car was abysmal. Cut it's, the atmosphere with you, a sledgehammer. Because you just never had a chance to get out of it, really. You would, I mean, it was literally left for like four or five hours overnight. I mean, I remember I arrived into one time. night, we got to Salt Lake City. I did like Denver, Colorado, down and did New Mexico, Utah, Arizona, 
um, and another couple, and then ended up in Salt Lake City that night, did like a thousand miles in a day. And you parked up at like one o'clock in the morning, and we were up and out at four o'clock in the morning to get sunrise at um, Bonneville Salt Flats. So, and that was a standard day. The, the journeys, just... were, the, the, the distances were, were crazy because you'd, mm. all, you'd operate off a fuel tank. Mm-hmm. So you say, like, we'll do a fuel tank as soon as we get up before breakfast. Do you have to at least. And, you, you know, mm-hmm. toilet stops, everything, and pit stops were super quick. Uh, and I think Pat and I, when we first started, we designed like 17 states in the day and a half <laughs> or something like that. You had the little uh, ones. And when, <laughs> I, came, when, I, yeah, yeah, when yeah. I came back to the UK off that flight, I had to drive my friends to the Isle of Wight. <laughs> and we're used to be doing a thousand miles plus a day. I had to do a road trip from, you know, London to, uh, to the Isle of Wight. They couldn't get to fleet services down the M3 without <laughs> stopping. Break. I was like, they need a break. I was like, oh, guys, you know, we need to get a bit better than that. But, yeah, uh, yeah the distances and the car never, ever stopped. Never got cleaned. And people think that we have, <laughs> we must have done a lot of planning for this. I was quite new at the time. It was all done two weeks beforehand. Someone printed <laughs> off a map of America at the back yeah. of the office and drew a route. I remember seeing it. that. Mm, I remember yeah. when I joined, it was sort of stuffed into a shelf at the yeah, back of yeah. the office. And I was like, what's this? And it was... The, it was our planning. It was <laughs> mad <laughs> calculations of we, how on earth to... Re- we basically found out there is a sort of recognised route for people to drive every state in America in a relatively efficient way. Mm-hmm. And that was what we used. Mm-hmm. And then we bought all the stickers for the state so that every time we crossed the state line, we slapped a sticker on. Um, and that was about but, it. But also our hard point, because then we worked out the timing and then it realised, right, you basically got to drive non-stop for two weeks, mm. uh, was to get the ferry up to Alaska. And mm. that only goes once a week. And if we miss that, uh, you whole screwed. And we didn't put any tolerance in for a puncture. Something happened. Ollie hit something and took the I front. I hit a half a tyre flew off the car in front and went through the fog light. Yeah. Uh, and it made a proper bang. Proper Ouch. bang, as in I thought we've had a... This might be... Game over. Yeah, feature ending stuff. Anyway, we got to the, on the on the West Coast. We, we were making remarkable time. We decided to celebrate our success slightly in uh, Las Vegas. Just before <laughs> the last, we did we did forty eight states, yeah. and then we hadn't Went quite mentioned California. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and then we were. The plan was to put the the car in a container and take it over to from Long Beach mm. to Hawaii. Uh, yeah, we arrived at Long Beach and we saw the boat <laughs> had already left as we yeah. waved it off. So <laughs> well, there was unfinished business that we'd never done the fiftieth day. Yeah, exactly. Cut to twenty twenty three. Yeah, yeah. And you must. So have. we thought we well, we better finish that road trip basically mm-hmm. um, by doing one state and flying a long way to go and do it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we took the new Mustang, the new seventh generation Mustang, out to. Hawaii, but it's what I when we first started planning this and we found out that we were going to have it was going to happen. I I just assumed because the Hawaiian Islands, this, these six main islands, they're relatively close together. I assumed there would be car ferries between them and you'd be able to go between them, but no, you're there isn't. So you're locked onto one island, which for us was at Oahu, which is sort of the it's the busiest island. It's the one with the biggest international airport and the biggest city in Honolulu. It's where Pearl Harbor is. Um, it's got some cracking stuff going on, but it's also very crowded and you can't get onto the really picturesque islands like Big Island, which is where the Mauna Kea volcano is and all that sort of thing. So initially it felt a bit hamstrung and like it was just going to be difficult to get stuff. But then the locations start presenting themselves. You've got the North Shore surfing area, which is amazing. You've got this place called Kualoa Ranch where they shoot 
where everyone, the laziest location scouts in Hollywood, just go, oh, we need somewhere mountainous and pretty and all the rest of it there. So it's drop, where they drop film. Drop some names. Drop some Hollywood. Uh, Jurassic Park, Lost, Jumanji, King Kong. All this sort of stuff is all filmed in this one ranch, this 4,000-acre ranch. It is incredible, actually. It's wow. just spectacular. So we, we, went to, we went and visited all these places. Mm. And it was, it was such a cool thing to do. Um, yeah, it's just, it did involve it one stage. So what I found out that is that um, Hawaii, they, the, the, someone told me soon after we arrived, they said, yeah, Hawaii is great. It's part of America, so it's a first world nation. But our paperwork is still quite third world. So there's an awful lot of bureaucracy involved. And a part of this, what I wanted to do, because I knew the roads were going to be busy because there's a million people on this little island. I thought, right, I want to find an airfield we can go and just cut loose a bit. So I got in touch with a few airfields, and one came back and said, oh, it'd be great to host you, it'd be lovely. And then as soon as the paperwork started coming in, it very quickly became apparent that all airline air, airfields on Oahu are still owned by the military. They're leased, leased out for civilian use, but they're owned by the military. And the military were like, no, you're not ragging a Mustang around that airfield, but you can get permission to go there. And so I started looking at things that were going on there, and there was a skydive skydive potential. I thought, ooh, oh, sounds like fun. Yeah. And then I found, found this little thing on Google Maps said, gyrocopter. <laughs> and I found a bloke who's trying to bring back the gyrocopter on Oahu. So I got in touch with him, and he, unsurprisingly, was fully fired up for so, getting so that, the gyrocopter involved. it's basically involved. like a helicopter, but more dangerous. Well, less dangerous. If you if you need to speak to him, and I have read that, that this boat, the physics was way over my head, and I was like, okay, I'll buy into this. And he looks like the sort of bloke I can trust because apparently he flies commercial airliners it, and stuff as well. He also wore a tie. He we, wore a tie we, and brogues yeah. when he was flying, which yeah. was excellent. And it a waistcoat. Just looks so deathy. I mean, yeah, it's, just to explain, yeah, yeah. an aircraft that looks like someone looked at an aerial atom and went. Oh, it's got a few too many panels on it, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can strip something off that and then make it yeah, yeah. fly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was um, uh, Jamie Lippman who was doing the pictures for us and has his air, his pilot's license and flies a lot and has has once flown in a gyrocopter before described to me beforehand as something he was never going to do again, which um, from Jamie Lippman's perspective is, is actually saying something. Um, so I was a bit nervous about this, but it actually turned out to be, he was very, Jamie was very impressed with the stability of this gyrocopter, but it was, yeah, I mean, it's nothing related to the car particularly, but then the story of when we drove around all 49 states wasn't so much about the car. It was about using the car to explore a theme, if you like, of of, of exploring America. Mm -hmm. And this was the last piece of the puzzle. It was to go out and discover what Hawaii's like, what Oahu's like. And how it sort of fits in and slots in. So it was, it was, it was a really interesting shape. It was about talking to people, about going out there and experiencing. Exactly it. that is because it is the extension of the story, the, the America story. We had to basically do what we'd normally hate doing and just get cliche postcards of where we were mm. because no one would believe that you'd done it. Yeah. And as you say, you forget how big America is and how the culture mm. changes. And seeing how the car culture changed and just how people changed and the scenery was part of it. And then Hawaii is just something completely different again. And mm. you went and ventured and met car fans, Mustang fans. Yeah, I did. It was really cool, actually. We did... I was meant to get there... Well, we did get there in time to do an auto solo. So the whole idea was going to kick off taking the Mustang to an auto solo. There's no racetrack on Oahu. They used to be closed in 2006. So now they are... The car enthusiasts on the under are reduced to ragging round cones and a parking lot on the edge of a Don't stadium. Don't they have horrendous speed limits too in Hawaii? They do. 55, I think. 60, maybe 60 on the H3 in a couple of places. But it's, yeah, it's slow. And it's just rammed with traffic everywhere. 
So the, we were meant to go and do this auto solo. We couldn't get the car out of customs because more paperwork uh, in time to go and do it. So I went and spoke spoke to all these guys. And it's it's one of those things. Once you get in, you, you meet people in a community like that, you start getting introduced around and they'll say, oh, we can help with that. Oh, you want to do that? Oh, we can show, I know someone. And they can be completely disparate because it's a small island. So people will know people who work in the military at other bases or they'll know someone who knows someone else and can get you in somewhere else. Anyway, we, what we ended up doing was staging our own Mustang meet. Mm-hmm. We said, right, downtown Honolulu, there's a beautiful car park. We'll meet, meet there if you've got an old Mustang and you want to come, you know, come along. And, and it was great. The Ohana Motorsports Foundation, can't say thank you to them enough. They were, they were brilliant. And they pulled together this sort of half but a dozen cars any turned good, up. Any good Mustang cars and coffee meet ends with a Mustang spanning it into a lamppost <laughs> outside, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. doesn't it? Funnily enough, they got, <laughs> so what, one, of the, one of the guys who's, I think it was a 66, so it's, you'd call it a, we'd call it a resto mod, but it's not. It's just a 66 Mustang. But he's put the engine into it from a 1997. So it's gone from originally 200 horsepower back in the day mm. to 450 and when i asked him about it he said it's got no traction that's the yeah, yeah, most yeah. that's the main takeaway it's got no traction because it's still on its original tire widths and everything mm. but and he asked he said would you like to drive it around the car park my <laughs> immediate thought was this will be hilarious for a massive <laughs> wheel spin. But then I thought, no, that's what happens to Mustangs when they leave cars and coffee yeah. meats. Yeah. I will the not words, be doing watch that. Watch this fall <laughs> yeah, out yeah, of your yeah, mouth. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you, you were talking about it, so it's a lot about exploring Hawaii and stuff, but part of that's because the car hasn't really changed that much, has it? It has. It's almost no. like a heavy facelift, mm. interior it's, and exterior facelift. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. If you look at what's going on with Ford in Europe, and elsewhere, and in, actually for most of Ford in America, where they're saying, right, we're killing the Fiesta, we've killed, the Focus is going, the Mondeo's gone, it's all about crossovers, hybridity and electricity, and yet the Mustang, they're sort of biggest touchstone car is continuing exactly as it ever has mm. i mean i know it's about appealing to sales in different areas and everything but and apparently ford did consider hybrids and everything else but i think they have basically gone no we are gonna we want to be the last of the last left you know the mustang is one of the first sports cars we want to be the last one out the door with still doing a v8 manual just like porsche so, isn't it saying that the, the the last car of its lineup to go electrified mm-hmm. and then to go fully electric will be the 911. They're yeah. going to hang on to a rear engine flat six as long as possible. Yeah. Ford and be like, yeah, we'll do umpteen E crossovers, but we'll still do a V8 pony car for as long as yeah. we can. Are they doing and the that's... EcoBoost for that? Yeah, still, yeah still got the EcoBoost 2.3 litre turbocharged to 315 horsepower, but the main one, obviously, is the V8 manual that we had, mm. 480 horsepower. Which All also the silly tricks. drift brake. That's a laugh. So it's got. It's got. I actually think it's a really. It's a. It's the first time someone has actually thought about the electric handbrake. So electric handbrakes we know are the bane of our lives. It's just on or off. Well, this one is actually a lever. So it is. If you press it down briefly or pull it up a little bit, it's an electric brake. But you can. <laughs> while you're going, you can pull it up gradually and slow the car that way. Or if you go on and switch on the drift brake in your mode settings, you give it a little jab and it instantly locks the back wheels. Right, this is so, a conspiracy. Someone at Ford is working for YouTube and going, how can we get more cars and coffee <laughs> yeah. shunts? Yeah. Mm, yeah. What if there was effectively <laughs> yeah, yeah. a sort of rally car handbrake yeah, in the well, middle of a Mustang? And funnily enough, they've put <laughs> bolts on the side of the handbrake so you can take off the handle they've put on it and give yourself a massive vertical bar on it. Yeah, exactly. Oh dear. But also the literage and the logo of that played pretty well in for some of your sticker collection that you got. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> well, I made decide to make the joke three times because I've, I mean, Hawaii Five O predates me. I've got no idea what it is, but I know it's a thing. Yeah. And because it had five five point naught written on the flag, <laughs> I went and bought a load of stickers. Basically, I thought, yeah. how can we jazz this up? Because we're, you know, the, first, the Mustang we drove around America, we put a state sticker on it every time we crossed a border. This time, I went right. I'm going in deep. I'm going in <laughs> and buying all the stickers I can find. All your Hawaii so, stickers. So please. my Hawaii stickers were plastered all over. Because we car. did try and get the original car, which is in storage mm. somewhere in America. It well, was in the Peter Museum for a bit, we, and then... Yeah, the idea was to have two two Mustangs. The idea was to have our original car, which Ford put into its collection because they were so gobsmacked about what we'd done with it. Because no one else would get inside it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Smell how ripe it was. Yeah. Hazmat suits me. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, the idea was to have both, but Ford have mislaid... The Mustang we drove around fifty states, which I suspect means it has been loaned out to some dealer in the in a, and now are sitting in the back lot of a you know dealership somewhere in Middle America. Yeah, and um, but we could yeah. use the pod here if you've seen a sort of maroon yep. twenty fourteen mm-hmm. Mustang with a smashed fog light. Um, yeah, that smells of farts, and then stickers down the side of <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, loads of stickers down the side, quite dusty. It's quite mm. low mileage for its age now because it's probably it's probably <laughs> yes. done eleven and a half thousand miles, and then it stayed there. So if you've <laughs> yeah. seen that car, give us a ring because we'd quite like it back. But also in the comments, yeah, insight of uh, just how stressful these things can be. We, the car had to be shipped in advance, and then literally days before, there's all the tragic events going on in Hawaii mm. of the, the forest fires. And then yeah. you, to get across, mm. and it's like all all of this work and everything, and finally trying to get this story across the line. Mm. May have had to stop for that. So uh, yeah, it's it's. Mm. Uh, right, in case yeah. you're wondering, by the way, it's two to three weeks at sea to yeah. go from Long from Beach Los to, Angeles, to, yeah. to to Oahu. Mm. Just in case that's a route that's that you're planning yeah, yeah. for one yeah. of your car. What's mm. happened to the car now? Did you drop it's it? It's currently back? on a boat. Is it? Is it's it on back? a boat. Did on the you way put back. it back on the boat or just leave it somewhere near the day before yesterday? With a note on the windscreen, please post. Well, it back got to it America. got very complicated. The paper got the yeah. impo- importing things into Hawaii turns out to be a lot easier than exporting them from uh-huh. Hawaii if you're not the owner. And it's weird stuff like they. It's quite old fashioned. So a couple of the permissions I needed to get while I was out there, mm. and I needed to put to pay for the location for. So like to use the airfield was a hundred dollars. They wanted mm. as a location fee. They wanted a check. <laughs> they didn't want a <laughs> bank transfer. They anymore. wanted a check. So that was a bit, thing, a bit of a thing. And then when I got to check the car back in, they wanted from Ford on headed paper a fax. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think What's that's a, a fact thing in the 1980s. You're living at yeah. this time. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So the car is currently, hopefully, on a boat on the way back. But yeah, one of the things I wanted to do while I was out there, just to touch on the Maui fires and things, was we'd set up with the U.S. Navy to do a shoot at Pearl Harbor out by the bows of the USS Missouri. Um, but unsurprisingly, because the Navy had been heavily called into the rescue effort on Maui. That was one of the things that fell out of bed. And it is, there was a, there was an atmosphere out there. I mean, we've heard an awful lot about it in the British press, obviously. It's not really any bigger in the American press, the fires out there, but while we're on Oahu, obviously there's an awful, there was an awful lot of things going on on the next door Island. So it was just interesting talking to people about their perspective on it, because the fear is that it could hit, Mm -hmm. it could hit Mm -hmm. Oahu just as easily as it hit Maui. Cool. Well, well, let's see. Yeah, shot a video with the tone. Yeah. yeah. It was, oh. Okay. Where do we pick World it up? News. Well, you obviously <laughs> shot a video when you're out there, yeah, yeah. Um, featuring the magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so make sure you check it out. It is uh, a spectacular 
piece of colour and adventure and energy. It's a lovely feature mm. in its own right, isn't yeah. it? But it's the fact that it, it just finally lays that ghost to rest mm. of the the 49 point yeah. dot 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 states mm. from that, that feature mm. so many years ago. It's finally done. A, a yeah. Top Gear has taken a Mustang <laughs> to all 50 yeah, of the yeah. United States. We did it. Well done, well us. Done. Yeah. High fives well all done. around. Only took 10 years. Well the last one, but it's fine. Yeah, our Hawaii correspondent, <laughs> Ollie Marich. Right, should we move on? Yeah, you've uh, been yeah. driving the future, haven't I've you? I've been driving the future. So, uh, you may have seen the Lamborghini uh, revealed their first full EV at... Uh, they actually revealed it at this event, the Quail, um, last week at Car Week. Um, it's actually a concept car. It's called the Lamborghini Lanzador. Labrador. Labrador Lanzarote. or Lanzarote. Yeah, where have they got that from? Is um, this a- so, yeah, I know this because I asked. Good news. Um, it is in the great Lamborghini tradition of fighting bull. Where um, are they which, getting all these from? The, the great big Dorling Kindersley no, pop-up book of angry <laughs> cows. No, no, it's find, findafightingbull.com. It's, uh, <laughs> we it's buy any fighting How many left? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, no, so, um, it fought in 1993 in Madrid... Uh, there we go. They basically do. They just <laughs> That's look, not they, they long look, enough ago. No. I wanted you to say like the 19th century. They shouldn't have been doing this in living memory. Or, or yeah. it's usually uh, fought in, you know, the 18th century and it was known as the fiercest bull ever. Yeah. No, this is just a bull that was quite good, apparently. Yeah. No, but I reckon that Lamborghini's IP department is literally just naming a load of bulls currently. They're going to go out <laughs> yeah. and fight this summer. <laughs> oh, they're just laying the seeds yeah, for, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. The, the, oh, that's a good show. Yeah, yeah. I like names yeah. with Vs and Zs in them. So yeah, that's just Aventa yeah. They did say, this is the name of the concept, it may not be used for the production Mm. car, Mm. um, but we'll see. Um, Maybe after we've mercilessly ripped the mickey out of it. I prefer the name to Urus, and I prefer the way this looks as well, I have to say. If I'm going to have to have a Lamborghini SUV in my life, Mm. this is more how I wanted it to look. Well, two things there that I'll pick you up on. One is... Uh, they don't think it's an SUV. The other one is, I should just say at the front, that they want to put this car into production. Normally, with a concept car, it's Mm. kind of proposing a few ideas. This could be our uh, new design language. This could be a propulsion system we're thinking about. They're not messing about. They're not umming and erring. They're like, this is it. This car, as much as we can possibly squeeze through to production, we will, and you can buy one in 2028. So they've got five years to get it right which is a long time because they've made quite a lot of the big decisions, the body style, the the, the fact that it's going to be a pure EV, you know, yeah. the, the the mechanical layout is all set in stone. And they've made it drivable. I mean, you don't yeah. make a concept car effectively street legal unless no. you're pretty sure that you're going to exactly. do something proper with no, it. No, but they also gave, they, they also handed out a load of technical details in the press release. You know, it's going to have two electric motors, four wheel drive. Mm. It will have over a megawatt of power, so 1,350 <laughs> That's two horse. big motors, isn't it? Yeah, to deliver, deliver two big that. motors. And they're talking about, like, rear-wheel steering, getting very excited about the the way that um, electric cars allow you to, to sort of fine-tune and find control, really, the handling and where you send the torque. That's sort of the engineering department. But as you say, the body style is probably the most controversial bit or the, the, the most interesting part of yeah. the story. They, the way they describe it, 
is that well they're calling it an ultra gt so it's a two plus two. Oh, we've got to stop letting car makers getting away with this we've invented hyper gt ultra gt a megawatt of gt like i can't believe that it's gonna have a thousand more horsepower than a mira this is ridiculous yeah. but it does it does look i think it passes the test of if you took the badges off mm-hmm. it wouldn't look like another Chinese EV clone. No. That does look like a Lambo, not least because they've cribbed loads of details off that reborn retro Kuntash they did yeah, last year. Yeah. Head, headlights, taillights, pure Kuntash. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, so the idea was basically you draw a link between Revuelto and Huracan up to the Urus, mm-hmm. and it's slap bang in the middle. So they they think of it more as a supercar that's been raised up rather than Urus. Of course they well, do. And Urus that's How been much squashed down. did you drink? If you look at the profile, they've chopped the roof off a Urus and mm. they've got an event towards or Huracan star body mm. and, and just put that on from the A-pillar backwards on top of it, um, which doesn't look too cohesive in my opinion. It's like it's got a short car glued onto a, a really long car, but it does look... You know, I, like, I like the roof. I like the roof yeah. line of it. Yeah. I like the top, the top line of the car. It just looks yeah. like it should be slammed down. But with the small glass, <laughs> very kind of like a post box, you know, glass to it, mm. tricks your eye because it's actually a big door and everything else. But mm. it looks a lot more. Oh, it'll be super huge, car-ish right? And obviously, well. the thing with an EV is you've got a load of batteries and a skateboard underneath. Mm. So you either do what Rimats did, which is do them in a sort of T shape, mm-hmm. and then you can get your seats nice and low, and you can get this low body on top of it. Or like this, you just do it as a as a flat skateboard, which is actually dictated by the VW group and the platforms that they're developing. And then it's much easier to do a, a higher riding, yeah, a raised yeah. up car. So they've basically taken that that fact, that hard point, and then just tried to make a raised up car look as interesting as possible. Um, but, like in the world the of, but in the world of Lambo concepts, if you go look at the Egoista and the mm. Terzo Millennio, this looks like it could go on sale tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. But also, there must be some concept concept car tricks to oh, it. There's lots. It, it's um, so lots of active aerodynamics. So obviously, on a, an electric car, you kind of want the you kind of want both things. So you want downforce, obviously, um, but you also <laughs> when you're electric car when you're taking <laughs> it to a track day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, yeah. Whoa, it only weighs two and a half tons. It might, <laughs> might float away. <laughs> <laughs> take off might be like a Miura yeah, yeah. Oh, that'd be the ultimate retro yeah. nod wouldn't it yeah above 60 it miles an hour the nose gets light loads <laughs> <laughs> of lift no. but uh, uh, but then you also want you, you know you want it to be as slippery as possible so you can maximise your range so you basically they, they hit a button um, the front spoiler comes forward and drops down the rear diffuser slides out you've got these fins on the back window that kind of pop out the rear screen you've got various flaps and slots in the kind of rear spoiler that can change it's very cool though because you hit hit a button it's like a sort of transformer as all these mm. things oh, it does like the huckster and all bits yeah. spring out yeah. of it Good. yeah exactly like that the other thing is the um there's two screens so you've got a screen behind the wheel for the driver and you've got a screen in front of the passenger everyone seems to be obsessed with passenger screens now um, apart from passengers who are just looking at their phone and are in the least bit interested <laughs> <laughs> about the car's dashboard <laughs> just watching something on the iPad um, so these pop out of the dash which is quite cool completely unnecessary bit of theatre but it's quite interesting mm. um, and then the boot floor as well can electrically raise up and down so you can effectively get a sort of flat floor 
Or Why we are talking depth. about a Lamborghini? I know. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, here's what I want to know. You asked me what, what concepty gimmicks it has. Well, Here speaking we of, because like, I know you've driven this thing and they've made it drivable, but I'm, there's no point in going, oh, you know, how's the turn in, you know, for a fourth gear sweeper? Because it's it's a concept car. I want to know how shonky it was. Did I, it feel like at any point that you were going to like press the volume switch and the door might fall off? No, it didn't. It was actually quite nicely built. But in the terms of driving it, it, it is, I think I described it as a rickety shell plonked on top of a couple of Duracells because it is um, complimentary those those 23 inch wheels you can't you you can use about a quarter of the lock and then they start rubbing on the arches yeah. so regular, the turning circle is beyond bad regular uh, yeah. listeners to the podcast will not be surprised to learn that there's quite a lot of air steering going on in the studio right now as oh, Jack oh yeah mimics I haven't quite threading this car I haven't along. done an air dab of oppo yet so <laughs> that will be coming up in a minute um, but yeah the, it's the, not the wheels, very fast the tyres rubbing on the arches and all that horrible yeah, grinding yeah, yeah. Tiny bit of like, it, it, if a pebble goes up into the arch, it feels like the wheel's fallen off. And it will just... on Pebble Beach. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> pebbles everywhere. Are there um, pebbles it, on Pebble Beach? Uh, pebbles, sand. Um, Millionaire. More sand, actually. It's a very good point. <laughs> We're getting from... off track here. Yeah. Um, it is slow, makes a sort of a lot of noise. Milk float. Um, the secondary ride is a bit nuggety. <laughs> uh, no, interesting. They said, look, don't go above 30 miles an hour. I was like, no, don't go above 20 miles an hour. I and you 30. were already at 30. Oh, 30. So, uh, whatever, you know, uh, screw the system. And uh, <laughs> feel fast. Yeah, and then Up that to point, we actually had a police escort. That was quite cool. Mm. Um, but no, the driving experience was entirely underwhelming. The only thing you can get a sense of is the sort of height of the it. driving position. Um, yeah. Sort of, yeah, somewhere between... Lower than an Urus, basically, but higher than a Revuelto. <laughs> but it just—it looks cool on the move. That's what yeah. I get yeah. so fed and up with these concourse events. It's just cars parked on grass can do one. Yeah. Like yeah. literally. Is... And to be fair, I had the um, I had Reuven Moore, who's the chief technical mm. officer, in the passenger seat. I had Mitya Bockart or Bockert. Am I pronouncing that right? Bockert. Bockert. Sitting in the back seat. So I had mm. literally cool. the, 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 two, the two blokes that are basically responsible for it. Yeah. Responsible for this as I was driving along. So really, it was just a very unusual interview setting. And nerds <laughs> with long memories will remember that at Pebble Beach in about 2011 or 2012 or something, Lamborghini took an Urus along concept mm. and said, no, this is what we're thinking an SUV might look like. And everyone went, God, blimey, wow. And it barely changed so yeah. I, i'd mm. absolutely call it now that you have driven the finished lanzador just with yeah. slightly shonky door seals possibly the wrong it's name just, but the urus has made lambo so much money mm. but as we're seeing the uptake on evs isn't as uh you know it, especially in the luxury no. market isn't as high as you'd think will this mm. be the cash cow and it's obviously gonna be more expensive to make because well, Lamb- you know, what's quite interesting if you talk to stefan winkleman the ceo he says uh look um the Revuelto is now hybrid. That's the mm-hmm. big V12 supercar mm-hmm. slash hypercar. Um, they're going to replace the Huracan next year. That will also be hybrid, although they haven't mm-hmm. told us which combustion engine it's going to have. Um, the next-gen Urus will be pure electric. This mm-hmm. thing comes along in 2028, pure electric. But they're not making a call on the supercars yet. He's like, we don't need to make a decision as to whether the next uh, wave of supercars, if you like, have to be pure electric because, because we don't know yet. Yeah, and because the SUVs are going to make us so much money in well, the meantime. Well, yeah, but also like legislation could change. Could could they run on synthetic fuel? Are there? Yeah. Do, we don't need to bin did, the what, engines yet. Yeah, but what did they say about 
what how it's going to sound. What are they going to do for noise? Because come on, that is Lamborghini's defining feature. Totally. And actually, we we, we were talking about this. So they talk about it. It's emotion, emotion. Of course, from behind they do. The they like emotion. that word. But I said the, in, the interesting thing about Lamborghini is it's not just the person that's driving it mm. that's feeling the emotion. Mm. It's the person that they're driving past. Who? Oh, it's a Lamborghini. Oh, yeah. going, listen to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're feeling an emotion of yeah. Yeah. anger, yeah. rage. Well, um, I, tell, I tell you this. No. On, one of the things on Hawaii was at the Mustang meet, the president of the club owns a Mackie. And there's sort of a bit of derision and teasing about this. He also said while he was there that he's found an aftermarket company that now fit a massive boombox under his back axle so he can make it sound like another Mustang, like make it sound like a V8. And you're just going, oh, no, no, they no, no. They won't no. be doing that. They're, they're they're they hate the speech. idea of it sounding like a, a synthetic combustion engine. Yeah. To, to be fair, they don't know. They are fully aware that a Lamborghini that makes no noise doesn't make much sense. Isn't a Lamborghini. Yeah, isn't a Lamborghini, but they thought, oh, it's the connection to the car, it's the way that it reacts, that's where the emotion comes in. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But they've got, mm. basically, they realise <laughs> they need some clever solutions. Yeah. One of the things he talked about, actually, was using, so the paddles behind the wheel, <laughs> obviously, you don't have a gearbox, so they're not there for changing gear, but you could change the way the torque vectoring behaves on the fly. So imagine you come and pile into a corner with understeer, which you will, in a two and a half ton <laughs> EV. Um, one click on the paddle and the uh, and then it's more neutral. Another one and it starts oversteering. So you can sort of... <laughs> what, use, those, what are those drift carts where <laughs> you just hilarious. pull the bar and you have the casters, that thing that we had in the office mm. a few years ago? Yeah. Crazy carts. Crazy so, carts, yeah. yeah. Like now, most Lamborghinis, mm. what they want is those paddles connected to two cans of deodorant with lighters next to them. <laughs> and then so you can just spit fire out the back as you head across the high street. I've got to say, I turned into an eight-year-old last week. No, that's not... Turned that's into not, an eight-year-old? <laughs> Uh, like some weird Benjamin Button routine or anything like that. No, but the, um, <laughs> we, uh, I was driving the um, the, la- the new Lamborghini STO that they've got in the UK oh, yeah. press suite, which is in Viola with this crazy flake to it. And I saw these lines in the like in and the subscribe guys Viola with crazy flake. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, this thing looks bloody awesome you wouldn't want to own one but it, as a visual statement it was the epitome of lamborghini there mm. made a crazy noise and you just thought wow this is a poster car this is great the new electric suv i don't think is are people going to put that on a poster and go yeah, yeah. i want I, one of these when i make a, a bit million. like every time we drive a rolls royce and we sort of well you drove the electric rolls royce the spectre and we mm. sort of like well what's the range how fast does it charge and you're like it's not no genuinely not a cares. consideration for mm. a rolls royce you but know for, for them it does matter it, yes, it does matter, but they, you know, the people that buy Lamborghinis also own lots and lots of other cars, so this would be in addition to, rather than, can this car do everything I ever want from yeah. uh, be in, in one to see package? Them wrestle with it, won't it? Well, there's yeah. a full feature, obviously, in the magazine, but there's a video if yep. you want to see it. It's always good to see these things via the means of video because you get to sense the scale and the curvature of the lines and various other bits and pieces they want Jack Ooh, to talk curvature. about. Watch Jack There's no, there's no curvature on a Lamborghini. It's all creases and straight lines. And wise. Um, mm. But yeah, no, great feature. And then on the other end of the spectrum, the Ineos Grenadier, which we'll just briefly touch on, um, mm. car we've all been super interested in, uh, basically... A salty defender. Uh, Jim Radcliffe didn't like the new defender, so he went and built well, he his own. He tried to buy the 
tooling, he tried to roll the, the IP the and the tooling. Yeah. 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 Petrochemicals billionaire and second richest man in the UK, I think. I think so. Or one or two. Net worth yeah. of around 30 billion quid. So hmm. could buy an old Land Rover factory if you wanted. But yeah. Land Rover said no. Hmm. So he said, stuff you, I'll build my own. Uh, so, so, yeah, the premise of this one was Greg Potts, by do, the way, shout out to Greg, who's yeah, yeah. so not Greg here, but, did but wrote this and did a great job. But we, yeah, it was one of the ideas we were casting around the office was how, what, how, what will old, to, to, um, what will owners of the old Defenders make of the Grenadier? Will it be able to fulfil the role that the Defender does for them? So Greg went and took it around the UK to people who use old Defenders to go and see what it who did. Who depend so on them for so their livelihoods. Who, who, who did he drop in on? Mountain Rescue. He went to a mountain bike facility that uses them for uplift for the bikes. He went to Twisted Land Rover, who modify them. He went to far to went to a farm. He did all sorts of little bits and pieces. It was it's a really fun feature. Yeah. It's a real it's like, really the, good. The, you realise you know this patchwork across the UK of how many people you know like say like, lives literally def- depend mm. on defenders in you know if, you know Welsh Mountain Rescue yeah. livelihoods do mm. on on farms and. Yeah the Ineos Grenadier and trying to be this super authentic continuation of the old Defender idea. These are the people that, you know, it will live and die by. Exactly. They don't but get the it. the thing is, I suppose for a lot of those use cases, they've been use cases for so long that their use cases have sort of developed around the Defender and the Defender's capabilities. So they've sort of got, they've sort of harnessed themselves into a corner here. So if the defend, if the Grenadier can't do what the Defender does in some areas, it'll sort of be, it'll be a little bit unstitched. But for Mountain Rescue, they were quite pleased that it could fit that the double doors were were a wider opening and they could fit a full length stretcher in. Mm. It was stuff like that, and I thought that's that's it's interesting to sort of get you know very specific use cases mm-hmm. out of people for things. Those double doors yeah. are annoying though. They're so it's the the left one is too narrow. Yeah, you should open the big one first and yeah. then the small one. But yeah. yeah, you can't get anything in the small one. Also, it, well worth mm. checking out the fact that. Um, Greg went and saw some Land Rover specialists, the people who have to uh, mm. put back Land Rover, put Land Rovers back together when they break yeah. down, which they mm. have been known to do now and again. You know, they had a real good route around this Ineos to see <laughs> yes. hmm, what's going to where's the weak points exactly. Yeah. What's going to fail on this? What's going to fall off? What doesn't it need? Mm. What what's mm. been put there for? Purposes. They come to any conclusions on that? Well, it was, I don't want to spoil all of Greg's feature, but there's a really interesting, interesting tidbit about camper van conversions because that's a mm. huge revenue stream now for people who are into, you know, bringing back and restoring old defenders. People who want to turn them into like overlanding camper mm. vans, and there are big reasons why you won't be able to do that with the Ineos. Mm. But then, the question is, given it's eighty grand, would you want to be ripping it apart? Well, this is it, isn't it? So I thought what I thought was was interesting, and I don't want to go on too long about the the Grenadier. But Rowan and I both drove it. Mm. It's yeah, you can criticise it quite a lot for some of the things it does and feeling a bit different, and the steering's a bit weird. But it feels tough. It really does feel robust. It's just a shame that the price is just way beyond where it should be. It's sort of the theme, the sort of running theme, wasn't it? It's Mm. like, oh yeah, it would it would it would in do the job. work for this, that, and that. Yeah, but, but not at 76,000 quid. Yeah. yeah. I went along to the farm because it was near where I live mm. when um, Greg was um, doing that aspect of the test. And the theme that was coming across was, this is too nice for the abuse that I give my Dish defender. Not only is it, you know, obviously phenomenally expensive to mm. buy, but even if I, you know, one landed from the moon and I just started driving around in it, I just, I'd feel wrong charging across the field and filling it with See, wet I dogs. See, I didn't think that was too bad actually, but I think it's the it's the knowledge of the cost. Yeah, that's on it. it. That's the point. That yeah. would just unstitch it a bit. Well, it's the same problem as the new Defender, right? But the new Defender's mm. leaned into the fact that it's a luxury car yeah, yeah. that can do adventures as mm. well, whereas this one is leaning the other way. It's leaning yeah. back towards mm. the past while still being 
full of BMW which, which made me think why don't you just get an old Defender it's like so <laughs> similar to yeah, it which yeah. is a lot cheaper otherwise you lean into the new technology of the yeah. new Defender and go for yeah. that it's a fascinating it's one I, um, we should all spend a bit more time with there's so much to unearth with it and it's actually really pleasant to have a completely new car with no history no legacy mm built in different yeah. ways, trying to achieve different things, that mm. it's just it's too hard to get all of its points across in, in one feature. We yeah. need to do more. And one, of the, one of the other things we did do with it, we did do a, tw a twin test with a new Defender, so there'll be more on that on yeah. the website and things we, as We've well. hit the question on the nose yeah, as yeah. well. Shout out to Greg, though. It's a really dense feature. There's yeah. loads and loads of interludes and, yeah. and vignettes of everything the Defenders do in the UK mm. and where the Ineos might fit in. Really there you cool. go. It really yeah. shows the bandwidth of a, a top gear journalist. He goes from a flying car to then flying <laughs> 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 car and, to mountain yeah. rescue within the space of a few days. Yeah. Shoulder deep um, in a cow. And then finally, Rowan, you had a, a nice little cup of coffee at the top of a mountain, didn't you? Yes, to the uh, unbelievable day, uh, or two days actually, um, which I still don't really know how it happened or why it happened, and did they get the right email address when they emailed me? Um, it's a very disappointed Rowan Borncastle somewhere. <laughs> yes, exactly, yeah. Uh, yeah, you'd have to have billions in your account to normally be part of this little party that I, I was uh, part of. But no, Portrait Museum uh, emailed me with not much notice, just saying, do you want to come and drive a GT the GT1 street car, homologation car, mm. up a mountain to go to a new cafe uh, which has been refurbished by Ferdinand Ferdi Porsche, who's the great-grandson of Mr. Porsche, who makes Porsche. And <laughs> as a powerful name like to, to have as a surname, it's a pretty, pretty good one. Mm. Um, and basically it all came about as a celebration of, of, of GT1s. Mm. And it took place on the Gross Glockner Pass, which is in Austria, which, unlike a lot of you know other beautiful roads that we get to go on, was just built to be a scenic mm. road. And it, this thing has a palette of absolutely... It's everything epic, that's awesome it? yeah mm. yeah you don't really know what you're seeing there's bits uh, of it where they've just built an extra loop around a bit of it just to get in the view on the other side and it's great you're so high there's waterfalls there's tunnel there's you know, slow corners fast corners massive drops which is also uh, uh it was made very real because someone recently outside the cafe which we were going to forgot to put their handbrake on so oh. a mini rolled off the side of the mountain and was still stuck there Obviously, we put our drone up to take a picture of it. Yeah. Um, but it was a, a, no a real... people were in it. No, no people were in it. Good, no, but it's good. all on CCTV to to watch it. Go on the Fat Man Kai uh, Instagram channel to see it. But um, yeah, which was quite sobering when I arrived at the top of the mountain and there was the whole of Porsche's museum's race team, which Ollie, you've um, had stuff around because it's yeah. just come from Goodwood. Goodwood. Where, yeah. Uh, also, they were a bit tense because they had to repair it in seven days. I was going to say, yeah. wasn't one of the GT1s likely biffed into a hay bale? To, uh, exactly. I was meant to drive it up the hill that afternoon, but um, it got a little bit damaged and had it its got rear wing torn capitated. Off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They made yeah. a touring out of it. Yeah, the GT1 touring <laughs> Le Mans car. Um, oh, I thought that was you that did that. <laughs> oh, steady on. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, so basically it was a celebration. So uh, they had, which I still can't believe, the Le Mans winning 1990. GT1 mm. car at the top uh, mm. there and then it's uh, homologation sibling and GT1 if you don't know about it it was super exciting era of uh, endurance racing and GT racing where cars look like cars um, speeds were absolutely outrageous and it had to be homologated road cars didn't had they? to have yeah. homologated road cars but also the cars were just interesting because they were pushing 
aerodynamics on stuff kind of based on road cars they had a tendency to invert if you've ever been on youtube you can see mercedes clk gtrs and porsche gt1s just t- backflipping doing flight, yeah, everything yeah. a crash turns into an air crash investigation basically <laughs> gymnastics routine isn't exactly it? Yeah. um so for my generation they're just a really intriguing cool thing and you had to have for this year 1998 just one road-going version, which had to mimic the race car. Now, Porsche enthusiasts will know there are other GT1 road cars from 1997 onwards. They're the, the, the road-going, what you've Do you seen. Do you want to have a go at the German word? Well, can you just speak German, Oli Kier? Ah, yeah. The version, street version street of version. it, where they made 25-ish of them. Mm. Uh, but for the 98... Oh, muck. Yeah, for the 98 <laughs> car, they only had one. Uh, which is exactly the same as the race car, doesn't have any livery on it, uh, and just because it was a homologation special, they just put two seats in it and Mm -hmm. said, here you go, put a number plate on it, passed all the tests. Mm -hmm. Um, It lives in the museum, and it's only ever been out on the road once after the 1998 win, and somehow I'm the only person allowed to drive it for two (laughs) days on the most epic road, chasing none other than Stefan Ortelli, who won... Uh, Le Mans in, in the, the 1998 one. GT1 in his race car. I didn't wow. ask too much whether there was permission. I don't think there was. There were campervans, <laughs> cyclists. It's the mid of peak well, summer. Pay how much to get on? 40 euros, so 30 odd, six quid or something like that. Even does that not to make it a private road? Does that mean rules don't apply? It is a private road, actually, yeah. 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 Maybe that's it. Well, Maybe there were no it, police, yeah. and it was pretty good as there was a Le Mans car <laughs> literally <laughs> just blasting around, and this twin turbo noise that yeah. comes from this, uh, this six cylinder engine was amazing. Yeah, so that was the first point. The first point of concern is this car is priceless. Second one is that I've literally seen a mini fall off a cliff, and I don't want that to happen. Uh, and then I also tried to get in it, and I yeah, I didn't really fit at all. My head uh, got to the, the roof line and then didn't want to go any further. Um, and then at this point, I sat in slightly crapping myself because it's a right-hand drive car with the right-hand... Uh, gear sequential lever. Yeah, gear mm. lever, sequential gearbox, which is the stiffest thing I've ever used in my life. I literally thought I broke my hands for two, <laughs> like going up and down the gears for two days. But then I tried to put the seatbelt on, and then it fouled my steering and my ability to change gear. And considering my, my forehead was lashed to the top of the windscreen, <laughs> and it's priceless, and cars can fall off the road, I just thought, look, I'm going to go without this, because... Dying is a far simpler solution than having to explain myself if I crash it. Oh, yeah. Forget yeah. to the point yeah. you need the seatbelt. You don't want to have been yeah, in the car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a bad, but, but bad place and you anyway. can't... This thing is 16 foot long. You can't see anything uh, out of it. But it was... It was a race car, basically, but the engine is far more muted and a bit pared back compared to the, 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 the race car. But the road car... It's also positive and motorsporty and actually easy to drive. It's got very assisted steering because it's meant for endurance racing, etc. But I just thought as I was chasing Stefan, <laughs> he was going quite quickly. He's a racing driver on the, one of the world's most amazing roads to um, uh, what 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 is life and what is happening. And we survived, so we hugged it out after the first day. <laughs> and then I got a text from Ferdy Porsche saying, meet at the toll road at 5.30 in the morning. I said, oh, God, that's very early. And it was thundering at the time. And uh, they then had the streetcar ready for me to drive before the toll road had opened. And he invited every single owner, all 25 of GT1s, to come for a little cars and coffee drive up to the hill. Um, I think (laughs) nine 
said yes. It was all, and you know, yeah. some are in the US and other bits. But you see these cars, and there was one for sale recently. They're ten million plus. You never see them on the road. You never see seven together. Yeah. Or driving in a conga line up. Yeah. And then I was <laughs> the pariah in the only <laughs> one, which was the 98 car. And we were all driving up to this new um, refurbished mountain hut that uh, Ferdy's bought, which has become just a kind of car enthusiast, ultimate yeah, mm-hmm. coffee yeah. spot where he's wow. an architect by trade. He's just made the most incredible modernist box that... Uh, you know, hangs over the the cliff where he because of his surname can plunder anything from the Porsche <laughs> Museum it seems click his fingers and um, put it in this box and you can have a coffee and the most amazing pancakes which I'm not going to try and pronounce there was a na- uh, yeah it's, you've written it down the name I've written it down it's got a lot of S's in it, and, it out, buy the Mac and um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just reckon the, pancakes. the, the Gross Glockner is worth driving should be on your bucket list for driving anywhere go and early then, in the morning go early That's in the morning tip. and then yeah. have a coffee in Mankai which is Marmot which is they surround the area and uh, yeah Ferdy he's onto big things he's a young guy who gets social media has amazing, you know, car enthusiasts. Obviously, has Access a legacy beyond anything we can possibly imagine. He, yeah. He's, you know, he's the man behind the GP Ice Race, um, which he's revived in Zell Z, which is becoming more and more of an event. Yeah. And his new brand, Fat, which is uh, he took the name from his favourite um, uh, 962 Le Mans car. It was a sponsor, French logistics company. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, he just took that, and then he's made this fat group where they're going to do track days, they're going to do more events, they're going to do drives and tours. Uh, check out their Instagram and check out what they're doing because it's super exciting. Well, stuff. I think we should make it a regular feature. I think once a month we head up to the coffee shop on the hill, <laughs> long term and meet. you know, yeah. shout out Ferdy and just see what he turns up in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which was great because there was a, he arrived in the second day in a three five six police car. <laughs> which was just brilliant so he's knee-gnawing his way around all the tunnels scaring everyone so the only so, policeman that's on the Gross Glockner is the great great grandson of Porsche in a priceless it's the classic. one that's breaking all the rules yes, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I can't decide if I'm jealous of you because on the one hand it's like you drove like one of the goats yeah, yeah homologation cars of all time but the intimidation factor is so high and the jeopardy is real and on that drive I'm not sure with all the owners it was fancy super wet the guys at Porsche Museum they're very relaxed Ollie you've done a lot of stuff Mm. driving all their heritage cars they're the coolest dudes in the world a lot of other manufacturers would go right this is staying in a glass box it's never coming out again they they want them to be used Mm. and are so open and they actually make you feel a bit more relaxed because they're like just they're don't so crash it. Out. Yeah, they're just yeah, chilled yeah. out. And they're like, and even if we do crash it, they mm. they all worked on the cars in period. Mm. And especially for the 98 car after that crash at Goodwood, they like, you know, this used to happen in the racing all the time. We can fix the rear wing, no problem. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you don't want that in your mindset. But it was one of those cars, as soon as you're in it, you get over the reality of the positioning and you just drive the car. It, you have to enjoy it. So, and the way that engine it's not super old school in the way it comes on boost. It's quite progressive. But when it comes in, it really comes in. It wants to be at the top of the rev, rev range. So you just have to drive it quite hard. So, it's, it, yeah, it was amazing. Mega. Tune in next month when Rowan takes all the Ferrari 250 GTOs in the world to Cafe Nero. <laughs> <laughs> in Weybridge. Yeah, exactly. No, so, yeah, that was right. a pretty mega day. Right, let's move on because I'm getting a bit jealous. Yeah. Yeah, just, yeah. I know you're trying to be humble. You're trying to be like, oh, this thing happened to me. But yeah, I'm just getting jealous. So let's um, let's crack on. Should we do the quiz? Oh, blimey, yeah. We've got a quiz to do, haven't we? 
Yes. Oh, well, no, do we quickly need to mention that? What was it? Go-karting champion. Like Max Verstappen? Oh, 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 yeah, oh yeah. yeah. No, some, there, that like, chap. Up-and-comer, isn't he? Young yeah, gun. I mean, Just Jason quickly. Barlow, you know, dropped us a line and said, oh, I've got, got a bit of time with some bloke called Matt. Matt Verstappen, is it? <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, no, so it's, it, it, it's, it's an event actually organised through Red Bull Racing where basically they got um, Max Verstappen together with Mad Mike. I've forgotten his surname. Widget, Widget. yeah. Yeah, um, who's a Kiwi um, drifter. Uh, rotary God, basically. Yeah, yeah, Rotary God. And uh, and, and the, the setup was really simple. Um, F1 drivers traditionally can't drift. They are mm. taught from a very young age that sideways is slow right. ways. Mm. Uh, and um, famously, I think there was a, a, an auto car story years ago where, where a young Lewis Hamilton came along and, and oh, tried, to, yeah. tried to go sideways and, and, and couldn't mm. do it. I think he's probably taught himself since <laughs> uh, how to execute that manoeuvre. Mm. But um, yeah, and, so, and, 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 and Barlow was there and got some just to hang out with Max. Hang out with Max, speak to him, speak to Mad Mike. Watch Max um, get the hang of it annoyingly quickly. Um, <laughs> it was really interesting because uh, Mark Riccioni was there photographing, but yeah. it's also on Red Bull's channel to watch the video. Uh, obviously, he's done a lot of sim racing and various other bits and pieces. Everyone wants to start a bit slowly if you're doing drifting figure of eights donuts. He kind of struggled with that a bit more and went, naps. Nah, Let's go to the third and fourth gear corners, and then he just could, you know, struggled initially with the the, the donutting. Which, when you get in a drift car, as you know, Ollie, you've got so much lock to play with. It's yeah. a bit alien, and then he just went straight in for these like fourth gear corners and was absolutely nailing it. It was yeah. unbelievable. You see Mike give him like all the tuition, you know, sort of wax on, wax off, slow him fast out, yeah. and then he just kind of goes. Oh, okay, you got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. already looking out the side window. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a contrast, isn't it? Because last year, um, Aston Martin put Seb Vettel and Lance Stroll in the DB5 oh, stunt yes. car, didn't they? Yes. Yes. The, the, and that was not such pretty results, special. particularly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was at Stowe, you know, on the Stowe circuit, yeah, easier yeah. Silverstone. Mm-hmm. They had a big, you know, for the drifting, all they want is lots of smoke, lots of speed, and Max mm-hmm. was on it straight away. And as we well know, these guys, their schedules are down to the minutes. They would have had a tiny amount of time with them. There wasn't yeah. any practice, and he just got in and, and yeah. uh, nailed yeah. it. And what's lovely is, uh, as an interview setting, normally, you know, it's across a desk with all the PR minders in the behind them. Yes, yeah, just questions about this season's F1 campaign, please. Mm-hmm. Whereas... Uh, there was a vulnerability to him. You know, he rocked up, didn't know how things were going to go, wasn't mm. particularly confident, mm. but he was in a good mood. And then when he started completely nailing it, <laughs> you know, he was opening up and telling Jason loads of stuff about him and his life and, yeah. and how he was feeling. It's, I, it's I bet really it's super daunting for them because everyone expects them to be great. Yeah. And there's so much pressure to come to these things and, and, yeah. and do it. So, But you could yeah. see he was enjoying it. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. great. Great interview. Soon um, to be triple world champion, good at driving. Mm. Shock. Make the Verstappen in driving skills. Shocker. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Let's quiz. With what's, that. The, what's, the, what's the quiz on? Let's quiz. Um, I was thinking about engines, not engines that sound amazing necessarily or engines that are the most powerful, the engines that we love to look at. So Ooh. this is the top nine best looking car engines. Hold on a second. The most mouth-watering engine base. According to Ollie Q. To, according to, to me, and my opinion is to final. To rewind, <laughs> sorry, is this, was this inspired by the Lotus Amira Forsen that you're talking about, which basically just had a, a bin lid <laughs> of plastic <laughs> at the top? Not necessarily, but that is a really good point. Yeah, check out the YouTube video, because... <laughs> 
That's your next top nine. Top nine worst looking engines. Yeah, number one, the Lotus Emira, which has the rubber bath mat out of my (laughs) nan's sort of downstairs. Avocado sweet. Yeah, it's just like, they say it was brilliant. I said to Lotus, why is, have you just covered this up because it says AMG all over the engine and you can't be bothered? And they went, no, 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 it has cooling purposes. Rubbish. So yeah, that's a nice little segue, Rowan. From that, I was thinking engines which themselves, just to look at, are art, are beautiful, are theatre. Um, I'm sure you're brimming with answers. Who I wants feel to go like there's, first? I feel like there's quite a few obvious ones here, but then there are some really, there are some slightly curlier answers to this. Yeah. Uh, so I'll just go with the obvious ones, shall I? Um, <laughs> and well, and I was going to go tumbleweed. McLaren F1, and the reason being the gold. That's not the engine, though. That's engine the engine bay. I knew you were going to say that. I've said en- I'll allow you an engine ah, bay. Yeah. But, you know, the engine is normally the most important is it in thing there? in the engine bay. But that's pretty... It's good looking anyway, because it's got yeah. that carbon fibre. Yes, yeah. it's got the carbon fibre um, intakes coming into it. It's lined in gold. It's just, you know, it, the exhaust piping is beautiful. It is on the list. Correct answer, the McLaren F1's V12, that yeah. BMW jewel in the middle of it. Which is grass, yes. Yeah. Who's next? I'll take one if you like. Go on, Ollie. It's, it's very. I'm, I'm trying to think of d- different ones. Yeah, but always but a don't, mistake. Don't. Yeah, They're yeah. Always a mistake. Then I keep coming back to a <laughs> red crackle obvious. cover and thinking. Oh yeah. Any Ferrari V12, ideally in the front of the car though. I like to see it, have it in the front because then you can actually sort of get in amongst it a bit better. Mm. So how about an F12 TDF or something oh. like that? That would do it. Oh, he runs up and misses. Right? <laughs> <laughs> 8-12, what have you put down? The goal is open. No, I'm... 550? I'll, I'll give you the answer because we've got a few more to come. Yeah. I went with the 250 Testarossa's V12 oh, because of those school. 12 beautiful trumpet carburettors as well yeah. as the yeah the testers oh, and the nice. redheads yeah. carburettors yeah so i went classic i went uh i went 50s and 60s none of your yeah. modern supercar rubbish for that one <laughs> Fair dues. well go on bro no on that point of trumpets that's where i was going who's, does he you, who's down with the trumpet down with the trumpets <laughs> get it going boys and girls uh the mclaren m8f which was also at Quail and around this, this oh, tiny year. race cars. Uh, With the, it, it was a pebble, yeah, I saw it. But also they put f- baseballs in it. But if no one's mm. seen it, Google it. It's amazing because it has these trumpets which are all different heights and all a mm. bit wonky and weird, but is the most visual spectacle that you can see. Oh, and yeah. a very cool engine. The fact that you're saying, ah, oh, yeah, means it's, it's not on the list. And sound I've lost a point. man Googling something. Well, we've got this new rule, haven't we, on the pod, thanks to our listeners. But if you... Hold on. Jack has literally just showed me a picture of him taking a picture of this engine yeah. on his phone from oh, Quail. Oh, Quail, so mate. If it's worth him... <laughs> How are your trousers, Jack? Yeah, yeah. You go with strong trousers. On the Quail red. Trail. Bright red, of course. We've got the new rule that if it's worthy of being on the list, but it missed out because I forgot about it, then you get half a point. <laughs> so don't cry and I'll give you... Half a point. Perfect. That's it's it. It's a semi-correct answer. <laughs> Great. Right, Jack. Excellent. All right, I'll go with um, singers. So singers tend to make they're not traditionally pretty engines, um, flat sixes, mm. in the back of Porsches. But Singer managed to do it with a lot of polishing and a lot of carbon fiber mm. and stuff like that. I imagine without having seen every Singer engine, the DLS is. Probably that's the jewel. The that's dynamic, the l- lightweight study. Yes, is reimagined correct... by Singer. Sorry, oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Sorry, Singer. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah. Sorry, interrupt yeah. my incorrect answer for the legalese. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I thought that is a particularly interesting one because, like you say, like a normal 964 engine, but it's a bit of a washing machine. Mm. But 
they just they dress it up so beautifully, don't they? All that carbon and even the fan looks like a piece of modern art. And Which the, is titanium, I believe, isn't it? Or magnesium. Yeah. Oh, I've just seen the hinges with all the holes cut in them. Good Lord. Right, Jack has <laughs> two points. Over to Ollie for his second guess. Um, so one of the best-looking mainstream engines I can think of sits in the engine bay of an Alfa Romeo. So I think the... I, or used to in the Andrew Bevan Alfa Romeo because I don't think it's that pretty in the Julia now but when it used to have the sort of chrome finished polished pi- induction pipes on a V6 24 valve like 155 or something mm. 156 then that was a very good looking engine GTA he's yeah. saying yeah, all the right things GTA it is a correct answer it's the Alfa Romeo Busso V6 which was in production from 1979 until 2005 so it's actually no relation to the V6 you get these days the twin turbo job that's in yeah. the Julia and so on this is yeah it's the naturally aspirated one that was in the under the bonnet of you know GT V6s and it gave it the yeah, name yeah. but yeah those chromed inlet pipes i mean there was no reason Mm-hmm. They should be dressed up, but they yeah. did it because they're it Italians, be- and it because it's lovely. beautiful, and yeah. that is that is the yeah the the, the sort of the, the poor man's Ferrari Testarossa yeah, yeah. sort of dressed up engine. <laughs> isn't Weirdly, it? good looking engines tend to be good sounding engines. That's true. Or maybe it's a yeah. symptom of if you show the engine that much love, you've probably paid attention to the acoustics. Mm. It's probably an interesting car, etc. Mm. Yeah, true. So that puts Ollie on one point, Jack on two, and Rowan on point five. So <laughs> all <laughs> not to play for with the final answer. <laughs> well, you say that you know it's all about the display of the engine, mm. and nothing quite says I'm displaying my engine like hang it off the front of your car. <laughs> so. Uh, I know what you're going to say. Yeah, which is annoying for the latest version with the Morgan three-wheeler. Yeah, with the new Fiesta yeah. engine behind. Whereas beforehand, you just had that Harley V-twin, which is just a great engine itself, makes a very unique noise, um, on display in the front, which if you hit anyone with it, they would have it imprinted in their forehead. <laughs> but also, it's just a display of, here is where I'm getting my power from. Don't I look good? Yeah, absolutely. That's a correct answer as well. I love the way that like, Morgan just unapologetically hung the engine in front of the headlights. I think they designed the car and then forgot about the engine. Yeah. And then at the last <laughs> minute went, oh, but it's right, we'll just glue it on here. That's how Morgan three-wheelers always looked, isn't it? So ironically, mm. the new one, the Super 3, mm. is kind of the, the the black sheep of the family because now the Ford EcoBoost, like you say, lives behind a conventional <laughs> bonnet. under a bonnet. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They're catching on yeah. involving, aren't they, with this aerodynamics. But yeah, I just think the Morgan is 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 so evocative looking, so I put that on as one of the best looking engines. That what, gives what us... What did we miss? Final scores of one for you, Ollie, two for Jack, one and a half for Rowan, because you miss the likes of the Pagani Zondas V12, the AMG engine living under that kind of cross brace. With oh, all yeah, the, that's quite kind yeah, of... With all the tidy. dressed up and anodized bits yeah, and yeah. bobs that's beautiful uh, what else do we have oh <laughs> guys you're going to kick yourself the Eagle E-Type the low drag coupe Ooh, yeah. remember that carbon mm. uh, inlet manifold yeah, yeah, yeah it just looks like a sort of bag and then of snakes those riding pipes. around yeah yeah that is I think that yeah. might have been the one that inspired the list actually because I was looking back to when you did that Resto Gods yeah, feature yeah. and yeah we were up in Wales weren't we and we had everyone just knee trembled <laughs> when the bonnet went up on the eagle so there's a load yeah. more of those head to com for best looking car engines submit your own because you'll no doubt agree with the chaps and <laughs> well, not me actually, well actually let's bring this point let's make this our Spotify poll then yes so yeah if you've got the functionality on Spotify open it up because we want to know what your favourite engine 
looking wise is of all time. Nothing to do with how it drives, but what mm. would you just get the bonnet up just to have a look at? Cue yeah. a load of photos and comments on a Panda 1.2. You know, <laughs> look at this. I gave it, a, I gave it a, you know, a polisher or a jet. Because you have to get the, the bonnet up quite irregularly. I should think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Like cleared cool. the squirrels out. All right, so we'll we'll, we'll end there uh, on my. I can't remember the last time I won a quiz. I'm actually trying to keep a lid on my excitement here uh, um, and wrap it up there don't forget you can um, go and visit uh, topgear.com for loads more news uh, videos YouTube uh, Topgear's YouTube channel of course for loads of car week videos for Ollie's um, Mustang in Hawaii film um, loads of stuff going on social media social media you're going to see uh, Greg Potts's flying car on there yeah. somewhere <laughs> mm. and other bits that hopefully are going viral uh, but also can we just get you guys if you can rate and review us it does help with everything Please do. Uh, mm. and then yeah if you want to let us know about anything you've also got the option on Spotify to tell us what you think of the podcast uh, and we may look at it yeah <laughs> <laughs> we may even look at it we definitely we will look at it but check out the mag it's, yeah. the, it's, the, it's a special mag this month the 30th yeah. birthday of Top Gear magazine it's a collector's item it's got a shiny cover go and treat yourself which is why across the top of the magazine it says big shiny collector's edition just in case you know <laughs> you weren't sure so make sure you pick that up thank you for listening and uh, we'll see you on the next one